Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Before we get into this, I <clears throat> it's been, I don't know, it's been a few years ago, <clears throat> we were doing a, it, it, it's about once a quarter, we go to Valley View to the nursing home and, and do a church service there, and just a normal, we just do a normal kind of a church service, we go in, we sing a number of hymns and preach a short message, sing a few more hymns, and then we're, we're done, it's usually, oh, 20 20, 25 minutes long, maybe or so. It's not very long. And and a few years ago, I had some of the teens go. <clears throat> it was actually the last time we did a teen preaching, and some of them wanted to go and and uh, kind of practice because they were preaching that night. <clears throat> so let them go and and they and did the service and and uh, it, it was good. And and uh, I received a letter from the recreation director at the time uh, telling me that we need to tone it down on on the message and uh, <clears throat> I didn't think anything about it as a matter of fact I I think I filed the I think I still have the letter just put it in my files but <clears throat> just ignored it and kept doing what we were doing and she quit or got fired I'm not sure which but she went on by the wayside, so never thought of anything about it. So we've been still going, and, and that's been probably three years ago when, when that took place, maybe even four. But um, they hired her back, and uh, I, I, um, I haven't gotten a letter, and, and we're still going. Wes was there just a couple of weeks ago, but I, we're, oh, we're supposed to go this week. All right. Well, we're going to just stir it up this week, so <clears throat> because she she's back, and I guess she's after the churches and telling them they what they need to preach. Well, it's just not going to happen. So, and uh, we need to just pray for a good situation. And if she's there, it's going to be a very pointed message. Um, I think I need to go on this one. So, anyway, <clears throat> so. But I think it's I think it's a sad day. But I received a call from a a concerned citizen. I don't know why they call me. I guess I'm the rebel rouser of the preachers, you know. So uh, from a lady that goes to the Nazarene church and calls me and wants to know what I think. And I told her what I thought. And so the Nazarenes and the Baptists are stirred. Anyway, so we'll see how it goes. So, <laughs> but. <clears throat> I find it interesting, I told the lady today, and I'll tell, I can't remember her name, Millie, I think is her first name, but, um, you know, there, there are a number of these people that mentally are probably not able to, capable to handle things. There are some that can, there are some that are saved and know that they're on their way to heaven, and there's some that don't know, <clears throat> and they're at the end of their life. And they need one more opportunity to hear the gospel. And uh, <clears throat> so you pray for that. If God wants us to stay in it, then he's just going to have to 
inter, you know, intervene and, and uh, maybe they need to fire her again. I don't know. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But there's always been an opposition <clears throat> to the truth. And uh, it, it was that way in the New Testament when we see where Paul is preaching the gospel. And there were those that wanted to fight against that. There, there were those that watered it down. There were those that wanted to implement other things. And, and, and we see that here in, in chapter 21 as he goes back into Jerusalem. And, and uh, here he is. And, and he spent some time now with uh, Philip the evangelist, who was also a deacon at that time. And, and they had come to Jerusalem, and the brethren received us gladly, it said in verse 17. And and uh, but then we go on and, and <clears throat> we're, we'll try to finish up the chapter. But we see Paul's demonstration of obedience now in in these next uh, verses through verse twenty six. And in uh, the day following, day, Paul went in with us unto James, and and all the elders were present. And we know James was the half brother of Jesus. James is also the one that wrote the the epistle James that we have towards the end of the. Uh, New Testament, and uh, he at this time he was the uh, the pastor of the church and leader of the cr- Christian community there in Jerusalem. and And now you need to remember that this uh, um, th- this group of believers now in Jerusalem uh, is not nearly as big as it used to be. When when we first saw in Acts chapter two, there were thousands of people that had trusted Christ and gotten saved, but. Uh, since then, they've been dispersed and pushed out of Jerusalem, and so now they're uh, all over the the country, and and uh, and that and that's where Paul has been visiting and starting those churches all throughout in those three missionary journeys, and here he is ending that third missionary journey, and and he comes to James, and and uh, uh, again, you know, there were many of those that look, it, it was a hard day in understanding who you could trust, and. There were those, I'm sure, that put their trust in someone, and they were burned for that, and and lost. You know, they could have lost their lives, definitely lost their home, lost much of their family, their jobs, all of that, and and so they looked to James because they know that that James was a real deal, and and so Paul goes to James, and and for a couple of reasons, I'm sure. First of all, I believe it's here when he comes to James. That's when he gives them the the offering that he had been taking on this third missionary journey and, and, and collecting from all of those churches. And you can go into 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, and there Paul commends the Corinthian church for giving and, and not being giving grudgingly, but, but happily helping out. And, and so uh, here he brings that offering. And, and in doing so, we see that Two that that whenever they see Paul meeting up with James again, that that it gives him some credence, and they're they're going to listen to him because I'm sure there were still some that weren't sure whether they should trust him or not. And so, and when he had saluted them, he he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry, and and so here telling them all the things that had gone on, and and he hadn't seen them now since after the. The, the finishing of his first missionary journey. So it's been in some 15 years now that Paul hadn't uh, been in Jerusalem. And so he comes in and he tells them all the things that have taken place in the last 
uh, two missionary journeys that he's taken. And, and then I love what it says. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they're all zealous of the law. And, and so here they, they glorified the Lord. They celebrated the knowledge that there were people that had trusted Christ as their Savior. Now, it, it didn't mean that they didn't still have some of their some issues. And one of the issues were that many of these Jews had gotten saved, but they were still very zealous of keeping of some of the law and some of the ceremonial laws that that were out there. And and so, and that's what they're saying here in the last part of verse 20, and they're all zealous of the law. And But now we, we looked at this in our connections class for two or three weeks about false accusations and how to deal with false accusations. Well, in this chapter, we're going to see Paul dealing with those kinds of false accusations because here we see a false accusation given in verse 21. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after their after the customs. So, now they, they, they come to Paul and they say, look, we celebrate, we, we, we glorify God that, that these people have been saved. However, they're, they're, it's come to our attention that they're telling us that you're going around and telling them that, that uh, Jews don't need to, to, to be circumcised anymore and that they need to forsake all of the teachings of Moses. Well, if you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and this was written sometime before, and uh, chapter 7 and verse 18, and look what Paul says. He says, is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. So now he's talking to Jews and he's talking to Gentiles and and, and the Jews are pressuring the Gentiles saying, look, if you're saved, then you also need to, to have that 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 signature that you are a follower of God and that you are you still they still have in this mindset that you had to become a Jew to be a follower of God and Paul was saying look if you are uncircumcised then don't think that you need to become circumcised and if you are circumcised then then don't think that that uh, I'm telling you that none of that matters and it, and it's uh, of of no importance so here he's already said this and. And it's been shown that he that he said that he says the same thing over in in uh, Galatians and in uh, uh, Galatians chapter six and verse fifteen, more or less telling them the same thing there. So here we see that that they're making up a false accusation against him, and and then they they go on. What is it there for? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. So now everybody's wanting to come together. They want to hear what it is that you have to say. And, and, and however, for you to do this then, Paul, then we're asking you to do some things. Therefore, this that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. So these men have taken a vow. <clears throat> Take them and purify them thyself with them. So James asked Paul to cleanse himself and with a Nazarite vow. To, and not only that, but then to pay the expense of these other four men that have taken this vow, that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing 
but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. <clears throat> so now here we know that, and Paul has stated, and Paul will continue to state, doing the law does not save you. <clears throat> However, we're dealing with that first generation believers that, that this has been ingrained into their minds and into their hearts. And, and James is saying, look, if, if you are going to have any, any gravity in, in preaching and, and teaching to the Jews in this area, then, then you need to show them that the Jewish tradition is still important to you also. And I'm asking you, James is asking Paul to, to do these things, and, and not for his salvation, but to show that he still respects the traditions of the Jews. And, and so, and as touching the Gentiles, which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. And, and so uh, here he said, look, we're not, and James was saying this, he said, we're not making the Gentiles go in and, and become a Jew. And that's not what I'm telling you, Paul. But I'm asking you that you would do this for the sake of the Jews so that they'll see that you still respect their tradition. And so Paul didn't have to do this. But we also know that he did so so they wouldn't be a stumbling block. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He didn't change his preaching. He didn't change the salvation gospel message. But in this practice, it gave him the ability to be able to witness to these Jews. And look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now, you need to understand that in, in what Paul did in, in those practices, Paul never did go into, uh, uh, in, into any kind of... Uh, uh, illicit practices that were uh, ungodly. That look, look, that would have made him a hypocrite in his preaching. If if he said abstain from fornication and then turn around and and live like the unsaved and whatever you know all the the practices of the unsaved world. That's not at all what he's talking about. But if you recall, you can go over into Romans chapter fourteen also, and and, and there he says that look, there are there are some that. Uh, and, and Jewish families that still will not eat certain kinds of meat. And there's certain things that they're not going to touch, and they think that that is upsetting to God. Now, we know, and, and Paul said that to Timothy, he said, we know that, that whatever we ask God's blessings on and, and are thankful for, we can eat it. However, if this is going to bother them, then I'm not going to eat that when they're around. And that's what he's saying once again. And so now he didn't have to take this vow, but he said, fine, I'll do it. I'll do this to show them that, that I still respect the Jewish tradition and, and, and I still respect the, the Jewish nation and, and understanding the position that they're in and, and how important that is. And, you know, there, there's, a, 
there, there's a group out, and it's called Replacement Theology. And, and there, are, there are a number of, of uh, churches today that, that would like to say that the church has taken the place of the nation of Israel. And so the nation of Israel has no importance at all any longer. And, and so it's only the church today. You'll run into churches today that, that have no feelings towards Israel, don't feel that, the, that America needs to stand beside Israel, that the covenants that God made with them are, are no longer uh, necessary, but those covenants have now been made with the church. And there, there's still a difference between the church and the Jewish nation. And let us be careful and don't get involved in the replacement theology that is out there. And Paul shows us right here that there is still a distinct difference between the two. And so he goes in and he does this. And then Paul took them in and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. Typical, isn't it? I mean, here, here we have the, 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 the unbelievers, and, and, um, and just because, I think, I don't know if I need to explain this or not, just, just because someone is a Jew doesn't mean that they're saved. As a matter of fact, in, in today's society, majority of Jews are unsaved. They reject they, they reject Jesus. They, they reject the Messiah. And these Jews rejected the Messiah. They rejected who Jesus was. And, and the, the ones that are saved usually are referred to as the remnant. And the remnant are those that are believing Jews. And, and, but here, these are unbelieving Jews. And, and so here they hear. They know that Paul is back. And and, they, and he's almost done with this vow that he's made. And, and they see him, and, and they uh, saw him in the temple. And so what do they do? But they stir up all the people and lay hands on him. And we're not talking about laying hands on, oh, Paul, it's so good to see you. You know, they were grabbing him by the throat, and they were trying to kill him, and they were, they were going to do whatever they could to, to get rid of this man that they looked at as a, as a traitor. And, and so crying out, men of Israel, help. Here's another false accusation. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. And so now, and we know that even by Paul's own testimony that, that and here he says that, for they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And, and so now they're accusing him of, of doing things that he didn't do. Another false accusation that was made. And, and there was no record that... Uh, and and uh, uh, what, what's sad when you, you watch this happen, and this thing with, with Paul, you have to ask yourself, where, is, where are all the Christians? Even where's James when, when this mob comes in and takes over and is getting ready to kill Paul and making these accusations? And all the city was moved, incited, and, and brought to a mob mentality is what it's saying. And the people ran together 
And they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. So now if you remember, they're under Roman rule, and, and so they're under Roman government, and and the Jews were not allowed to take the law into their own hands and, and, and kill Paul. They were going to have to take him to the, the Roman uh, government, and there they would decide whether he was guilty or not, and, or otherwise they could uh, uh, bring trouble to the uh, uh, entire nation. And, and so uh, when the soldiers came and come running in, they saw the soldiers, so they stopped beating on Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. And some cried one thing, some some another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. And when he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. For the multitude of the people followed after crying away with him. And as Paul was to be led into the castle... So here he is, he could be taken into the castle, he would be safe. It's going to be quiet, it's where he can explain who he is. And, and, and as he was led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, May I speak unto thee? Who said, Canst thou speak Greek? So here Paul addressed the, the Roman soldier in his language in, in Greek. And so, and, and now the soldier is in, and uh, so he starts uh, uh, ask, and so you speak Greek, and then the soldier says, Are not thou the, that Egyptian, which before these days madest an uproar and led us out into the wilderness, 4,000 men that were murderers? So now we see a false assumption. So we've already had a couple of false accusations made against Paul, and now there's a false assumption. He's thinking that this is some wild-eyed Egyptian that had brought a mob up against the uh, uh, whether it's the Romans or the Jews. And, and, but Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak under the people. And, and, and so now we see that, that Paul, and we'll look at this a little bit later, he, he was a, uh, what they would consider a Hellenistic, Greek, uh, a Hellenistic Jew, or in Acts chapter 6, talked about the Grecians, and he was part of the dispersal. And, and uh, we know that, that Paul was, not only was he a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. And so uh, in this, then, we know that, that his parents were Greek-speaking Jews. Now, he had learned under Gamaliel, and we'll see that later on too, and, and had the training and became a uh, a Jew of Jews and became a Pharisee and 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 uh, obviously knew Hebrew also, but but here he 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 could have easily just walked into the castle, all is quiet. But he goes to the guard. He says, "Can I speak to these people before you take me in here? I I really do want to talk to these people." You see the drive that this man had for his fellow countrymen. He wanted so much to see his fellow Jews be saved. And, and his life mattered nothing to him. He knew that he could easily be killed and pulled in half by, 
by this mob that was out there, and the only thing that concerned him was being able to witness to them. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying. Kind of goes along with what he said in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, I'll be to who? I'll be to a Jew, a Jew. I'll be to a Greek, a Greek. And, and here, using their language. And, and, and here we'll get into chapter 22, where, where he's going to continue to pray for their salvation and pray that they're going to listen to, to the, the pleas of a man that loves them and, and willing to give his life up so that they could trust Christ as their Savior. I, I, I think the, the most powerful part of this book, of, of the book of Acts, is coming in these last few chapters, and especially when, when he's standing there in front of King Agrippa and Felix, and there he witnesses to them, and, and you remember those famous words of, of King Agrippa? Paul, thou almost persuadest me. And, and I think that, that uh, we, we really see the heart of Paul now come out in these last chapters. Let us let us have that kind of heart to want to tell people about Christ. And no fear about what's going to happen to us, but truly to love people enough to tell them about our Savior. Let us be like Paul. Let's be encouraged by this, and let's look for those opportunities to be a witness for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight, and I pray your blessings upon the uh, reading and the studying and the preaching and teaching of your word. Thank you for the time we have to pray and the fellowship and the encouragement we got, uh, gained from that. And Lord, I pray you take us home safely tonight. Use us in your work and bring us back when the doors are open. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.